Welcome to We Are History. I'm John O'Farrell. And I'm Angela Barnes. And we're here to do another episode of our Less Than Serious History podcast. Talking about things that interest us, amuse us, I uh, think uh, worth Probably exploring. Probably say what we're talking about today. Not that amusing. <laughs> not, well, not that amusing, but I think interesting. Yeah. If you've been watching Peaky Blinders, you will know who this bloke I is. I haven't. Have you been watching Peaky no, Blinders? No, but my son said, do one on Oswald Mosley. Right. Because um, he is... your son's a fascist. <laughs> massive, <laughs> massive black shirt, my lad. I brought him up right. Um, and also, um, I think the black shirts and Oswald Mosley are featured in World on Fire as well. Um, fine drama by Pete Bowker. So, uh, yeah, we thought we'd talk about the, um, the Brit who could have been what Hitler was to Germany, what Mussolini was to Italy. Mm-hmm. We had our own fascist leader, uh, but he, well, maybe we shouldn't give away. But no, don't, no spoilers, no, John. No spoilers. Does he, does he become the leader of a British fascist state or not? Keep listening <laughs> to We Are History um, to hear a little bit more. Yeah. So I suppose we should talk about where he came from. And yeah. what, so he... Um, he was posh. He was posh. Very posh. He was a, born into... Aristocracy? Yeah, his grandfather, you know, was the model for John Bull, the cartoon of John Bull. They oh, used really? his grandfather as the sort of model for that. Um, but there are uh, uh, Staffordshire gentry. Uh, yep. He was settled, was Mosley. Mosley? Mosley. Mosley, yeah. Yeah, uh, he inherited the uh, baronetcy. I don't know how you say That's that. That's the thing, because I've always sort of known him as that he's Sir Oswald Mosley. Yeah. And, and, and then was, well, what, did he get knighted? But obviously he didn't. He inherited. He inherited his. The his, Sir. The Sir. <laughs> he was a distant cousin to the Queen Mother. Mm. She probably found him a bit left wing. Uh, yeah, I was going to say fascist in the royal family. <laughs> How unusual. Um, yeah, and he went to Winchester School, um, known as Tom to his family. We call him Oswald mostly, but it's Tom, Tom to his circles. A very um, that, that nat- humanises him a bit, doesn't it? It does. Tom, Oswald is such something a about Sir Oswald. That's very. Um, and uh, he was a very very skilled at fencing. Yeah, bo- schoolboy boxer and a fencer, apparently. Good fencing, not not the sort your family did, Angela. No. Not, <laughs> not flogging off stuff down the market, VHSs and Nick Turf car radios. <laughs> career soap, lovely job. Um, but yeah. Do it cash in hand. <laughs> but yeah, there's a bit in the, uh, one of the books I read about him that is, um, you know, he was, I think it was either him or his dad were caught firing guns at the streetlights in Piccadilly Circus. And wow. the police were like, oh, Hijinks. What japes? What japes? It what was. Japes these were like, boys oh, are having. That'd been a young working class <laughs> oik. Yeah, exactly. Been shoved in a workhouse. Yes. So um, yeah, he was expelled from uh, Sandhurst for riotous acts of retaliation. I, lo- I was trying to find out what those riotous acts of retaliation were, but you, I can't no, find it. No, that's what it, it says. It would what have been good to do? know. To get expelled from Sandhurst, that's got to be pretty. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then Sir Oswald, young Oswald, um, I suppose he was late teens uh, in the First World War, uh, he joined the Royal Flying Corps and crashed his plane trying to impress mum and dad. I love that. Well, he was showing off in front of his mum and his sister. Oh, sorry, not his dad, yeah, mum and yeah. his sister, that's mom right. Mum and sister yeah, showing yeah. off, crashed the plane, ended up with a limp for the rest of his life and then basically put on desk jobs for the rest of World War I. the war. I. But yeah, uh, uh, yes, got a limp, harder to goose step. Maybe with a, with, with a limp. That's, uh, what, that's what failed it. Oh, yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, uh, so suddenly it's the end of the First World War. And at, in 1918, he's the youngest MP uh, to take his seat in the House of Commons. Right. So he... 
Tory MP. Conservative, yeah. un- unsurprisingly, at well, that who, point. Who, well, well, stay tuned because he well, does. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, strange. Did, did you see my, my careful wording there? To take his seat in the House of Commons. Yes, because there was a younger MP, wasn't there, who was a Sinn Féin? That's right. So it's always good for a quiz. If you want to fight ah. at a quiz, say, who was the first woman MP? And everyone goes, oh, Nancy Astor. And it's, no, it's no, not. she take was the first to seat. take her seat. Just wasn't good an abstentionist. To, just a good to trip the pedants up. Yeah. And so who was the uh, youngest MP in 1918? It was some Sinn Féin guy who didn't take his seat. But uh, Oswald Mosley was the MP for Harrow. Yep. And... Um, uh, a couple of years later, the uh, very um, aristocratic and ambitious young man in a hurry, he married Lady Cynthia Curzon, the daughter of Lord Curzon, very yes. high up in the British aristocracy, you know, who's slightly punching above his weight there. Well, her father apparently wasn't all too keen on no. the union, was he? Because he, he, thought, he thought that Oswald Mosley might be after political advancement and his money. Exactly. I mean, he was <laughs> the, uh, yeah, he was um, the former Viceroy of India. I think he was in the government. And he, yes, he was very suspicious of Mosley. But anyway, they had the, the wedding in the uh, Chapel Royal at uh, St. James's Palace. Mm-hmm. And... Um, King and Queen were there. Uh, some European, uh, some European royalty as well. That's like standard family yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, um, <laughs> they did a conga up, up to the that's right, uh, Dave's mobile disco. That's what happens at my family weddings. No, is that not the uh, <laughs> one of my family weddings? We had uh, the catering was a fish and chip van in the car park. That's fantastic. Beautiful. That's, that's how you do that's, it. Maybe that's what uh, Oswald Mosley and uh, Lady Cynthia Curzon had. It doesn't. The history does not record. <laughs> but uh, they went off on the honeymoon to India. He met Gandhi. Uh, Did, didn't he? Yeah. Obviously, her father having been the ex-viceroy, so had some connections. It's who you know, Angela. Isn't it, it just? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, but pretty soon, he um, started an affair with his wife's sister. And later, with her stepmother. Well, you know. Well, you know, you keep know. it in the family. Keep it in the family. It's all very close. He was known as a bit of a Lothario, right? He was. As yeah, a, yeah. He was apparently handsome, although it's weird I in know. our 21st century... Oh, he's looking back at pictures of him and he just looks like a film villain. It, it does look like a comedy baddie, doesn't it? He's really got this thin moustache. slick back hair and a thin moustache. And, and a smirk on his face. And yeah. And just a nasty fascist. But apparently, pretty hot at the time. Charismatic, they said. Oh, but I think wow. this is during sort of, you know, class-obsessed Britain. He was an upper-class fencing, you know, sportsman. A girl can't resist a fencer. <laughs> Yeah, as, different as they type of fencer in my case. But, um. <laughs> um, and he was, um, you know, very, very dynamic and vigorous mm. and sort of driven, very ambitious man. Um, yeah. So, yes, apparently he was charismatic. Hard to, um, hard to imagine now. Do you have yeah. to remember back then that the word fascist had different connotations to... Uh, this is obviously pre-World, pre-World War, II, War II. Pre... Well, it's around the time, I suppose, that the... Nazis are starting to gain. Well, obviously the Italian, yeah, um, Mussolini got Mussolini, and the Hitler's starting to gain a bit of attention. Yeah, I'd say the twenties, not so much. Maybe late Late twenties, early thirties. We're still, we're still. I suppose within the twenties at the moment. I'm jumping ahead, but so the so Mm. when he becomes a fascist, it's a it's a it doesn't have all the connotations uh, that it has now. No, Uh, but we'll get onto that. He fell out with the Tories, and he crossed the floor, and sat as an independent. Um, and he held his seat against the Tories in 1922. And then when Labour formed a government, he joined them. So he'd been yeah. Tory, Labour. So this It's former... almost like he just wanted political advance. Well, you say that, but <laughs> um, he was interesting in, the... we'll come on to that again, but he, he his, his uh, after the great crash, he put forth this very radical plan for um, uh, massive public works. It's the Mosley Memorandum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he was, which, which, which sort of um, Richard Crossman, uh, uh, Crossland, 
Crossman? Crossman. Yeah. Said was a generation ahead of its time and was like um, the suggestion. Well, he said like, he was a generation ahead of Labour. Yes. And, and, and was, it was, you know, it was like FDR's new deal in terms of mm. the suggestions, but it got rejected. But anyway, he joined the Labour Party, didn't get um, the cabinet position he had hoped for and was very put out about it. And that. he got the uh, Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. Yeah, that's a good job Minister to give a posh bloke, portfolio. isn't it? Yeah. Sounds all right. Chancellor. I'd be happy with that, John. <laughs> Chancellor. I'll be the Chancellor of the Duchy of um, Lancaster. Ed Miliband said, and he goes, they rang me up and told me I was Chancellor. I went, wow, Chancellor of <laughs> the Duchy of Lancaster. It's like, oh, not so good. He had this crazy idea um, for putting an airport on the roofs of South London. There should be a large airport terminus. You could build it on top of the buildings. On top? How? Yeah, you know, flat roofs with all these flat roofs joined together. This is one of those nutty. It's a bit like the sort of Boris, it's a Boris, Boris Island. It is the Boris, Boris Island. Or, Island yeah, it? that's right. It is this sort of just make up shit and it's yeah. sound impressive. But no, as I say, his uh, radical plan, the Mosley referendum, was uh, was rejected uh, by cabinet and uh, Labour Party conference. So in on so the, now we're in the um, we're in the twenties, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, twenty nine. Uh, we've got yeah. Ramsay Macdonald. Yep, yep. And, um, Prime Minister, and so it's a Labour government. Labour government, and um, uh, he was very cross about his uh, rejection, that his uh, you know, plans for nationalisation and, um, and public works were rejected. So he resigned his post in the government, and um, that let in a new Labour uh, promising young hopeful called Clement Attlee. Yes. So uh, yeah. maybe, maybe Clement wouldn't have risen so far if it hadn't been for Mosley's sulking. But anyway, it's 931. Mm -hmm. Sulky Mosley goes off and joins um, his own, joins, creates, creates his, his new party. party called Change UK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was called, it was the, called the New Party, but they're Where did they get that name, John? The, the New Party. New Party. Let's, let's create a new party. What are we going to call it? <laughs> How long have we got? Yeah, it was, um, apparently the, the launch was about as bad as Change UK. Oh, really? It, it was like a disaster. He had a man flu and went to bed for a week. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, to be fair, did turn into pneumonia. But we'll he was supported. He did have support from some quite yeah. prominent he nearly uh, got... Labour and Conservative politicians, didn't he? Yeah. And Harold Macmillan was a... Harold Macmillan was tempted. Tempted, I think. yeah. And so was um, and Bevan. Bevan, yeah. yeah. Which is weird to think of Bevan and Macmillan in, a, in the same sort of camp. Yeah, with Mosley. Yeah, I know. Different <laughs> what times. What a triumphant. times. Um, <laughs> I, I, lo I read about a, a propaganda film that they made for the new party. Oh, really? And in this film, apparently it got banned the film because they thought it would bring parliament into disrepute because the film showed members of parliament asleep on the benches. Oh, really? And I, just, I thought that was brilliant. It was like, well, a bit like now. The, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Oh, yeah, yeah, And he's sort of slouching during the Brexit debate like his ventriloquist had gone for a piss. Oh, how interesting. You know, so that, um, that would have played into his uh, narrative because he was all yeah. very much about vigour, uh, dynamic... Um, and it's always like we need men of iron. We, we need a, will, of a will of steel. Rhetoric, yeah. didn't he? A military rhetoric. Yeah. It's a sort of, yeah, like you say, men, men and, yeah. of steel. And it's never, it's always a steel, it's always metal, isn't it? It's never like, we need men, men of, of Play-Doh. <laughs> we, need, we need men of fuzzy felt. <laughs> I know, I've known a lot of men of fuzzy felt. Yeah, um, we need men to stick <laughs> together like there. Lego. <laughs> but yeah, uh, their policies were very uh, protectionist and nationalistic, anti-communist and authoritarian. This is the mm. new strain. He had been to Italy. Uh, and hung uh, out with old Benito. Old Benito was no, the Il Duce was you know came to power in the twenties, mm. um, uh, and um, he saw these uh, huge uh, 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 rallies of fascists saluting uh, their leader. And he thought, oh, I'd like a bit of that. Well, he sort of started before he went, didn't he? He sort of, 
I think, like you say, the new party got very authoritarian. Yes. And I think that put a few people off that were initially interested in it. Right. And um, their meetings were always being disruptive. So he created a militia that he called the Biff Boys. Nice. Which were led by All England rugby captain Peter Howard. That's what I say about rugby, you see. They always say it's a gentleman's game, but no. 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 Thugs. A bunch of posh thugs, that's all they are. Posh (laughs) thugs. And so, yeah, like you say, goes off to Europe. Yeah, and um, and comes back with all these ideas about you know uh, making the um, the new party a bit more uh, a bit more sort of uh, dynamic is what he would say. Mm. Uh, fascist is what we'd say. It's a bit more sort of totalitarian, authoritarian. Yeah, kind of. Absolutely, and there was a sense that they were modern because they were saying that democracy was old-fashioned. Right. Democracy had failed. Look at the Great Crash, you know, look mm-hmm. at um, the massive unemployment. Just and come we're, out of a great war. Yeah, and so we are the new thing, which is strong men will lead. It's always men, actually. Uh, always men. So you don't get many. Always strong men. Well, you know. Fascist female dictators. Probably one or two in history. I'm, are there? I don't I know, actually. Think. Have there been any female fascists? It's, a, it, it's very dick-swinging, isn't it? Yeah. That's, it's very sort of yeah. It's, it's interesting, like you say, the men of iron, and men, it's all yeah. about strength and vigor, military might, and and, and, and the, of... with the power of the uh, with the power of uh, will, you can change anything. Yeah, it's like well, you can't actually. You need policies, and you need money, and you need you know uh, yeah. support. Um, there was actually a weird overlap between some of the old suffragettes and the fascists. There was some who saw this as a. Um, a logical progression of the modern idea of uh, uh, women voting, and now we all we all sort of join together. There's a little note I right. put in my last book. One of the Mitfords, of course, was um, had gone from uh, uh, suffragette to um, a woman supporter of women's suffrage to fascist. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't, isn't it? it? I read a lovely. It's just as a little aside. I made a note of this because I was reading about the Mit- and we'll come on to the Mitfords. Yeah. Um, as we go on, because they, they are They're obviously relative. But I, I read this lovely, it was in a, a Time magazine article, description of the Mitford sisters. Yeah. So the Mitford sisters, if you didn't know, they were a sort of an aristocratic family, the yeah. Mitfords, weren't they? And it was Nancy, Pamela, Diana, Unity, Jessica, or Decker, and Deborah yeah. Mitford. And this... Uh, Is Diana in there? Diana? Diana, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And this article described them. They said, you can describe them as uh, you might have described Henry VIII's wives, except you'd say, writer, countrywoman, fascist, Nazi, communist, duchess. Fantastic. <laughs> That's well, you, a lovely way. Well, Unity, um, her, did, you, did you guess she where was she was? She was a proper Nazi. She was a proper Nazi. Guess where she was born? Where? Swastika in Canada. No way. Yeah. And uh, one of the books I said that said that her middle name was Swastika. Really? But I couldn't see that anywhere else. But her middle name, well, that would be good. Um, and this is obviously pre, pre what Swastika pre, means yeah, to us now. Yeah. People was, have a... a town in Canada called Swastika, and that's where Unity was born. So it's sort of nominative determinism, I think. Yeah. But um, one of the Mitford sisters mm. ends up having an affair with uh, Oswald. With our Oswald Mosley. But we're going to tell you about that, we'll come uh, to coming, that. Up, coming up soon. Um, we... I got to the point where it's the early 1930s uh, yeah. and um, the following year, 1933, January, Hitler comes to power. Yes. And um, so suddenly you've got a fascist leader in Germany, a fascist leader in Italy. Italy. Will Britain follow mm. Italy and Germany and get behind a fascist leader? It, seem, it seems so mad now, doesn't it, with hindsight to go, well, of course, we know we, they didn't. No, but... Angela. Oh, sorry, I'll keep doing that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, it is. I mean, the... think it wasn't such a... But it's That's possibly, the idea then, because it, fascism hadn't got to the didn't have the con didn't have the, the connotation. It didn't mean at, we didn't know that it led to, to Auschwitz and yeah uh, exactly. Uh, although there were plenty of people then who were incredibly uh, um, 
suspicious of it and yeah. hostile to it. Mainly the Communist Party actually will credit to them. Yeah. Uh, they were the most vigorously opposed to the fascism. But I think we should take a break. Let's. Uh, John can take off his uh, black shirt uniform and I'll take <laughs> off his leather boots. And, um, <laughs> They're fetching me the We'll come back to uh, the, the 1930s and uh, the rise yeah. of the British Union of Fascists after the break. So welcome back. We're talking about Oswald Mosley, yes, the British are. leading fascist. Yeah, so we're he's just gone off. He'd been in Italy. He's to seen Italy, hanging Duce. out with Mussolini. Gone off, yeah. fancy a bit of this. He went up on the platform with Mussolini and sort of... Uh, There's the an amazing photo yeah. um, you can see online of him stood with... With uh, Mussolini. Mussolini, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, that must have been an incredibly powerful feeling. And he must have thought, I'd like that in England. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was 1932, the creation of the British Union of Fascists. Right. Now, he so called fascists it, already existed. There were a whole bunch of nutty, right-wing, um, uh, anti-Semitic or uh, imperial, yeah, you know, Britain should rule the world. Yeah. Well, immigration wasn't so wasn't really a, a thing. Then, thing. Was no, it? there was. It but became a thing with um, with the rise of the Nazis and Jewish refugees, refugees coming over yeah, here, yeah. and uh, mostly exploited that, uh, you know, for all it was worth. But um, so there were these sort of disparate groups of nutty right wing yeah. fascists, and he kind of put himself at the head of it. Legitimised them in a way, I suppose. Well, and... they were not too pleased to suddenly have this man declare himself their boss. Oh, I suppose not. Yeah, no. if they've yeah. Yeah, like we've been got their own on. delusions of they, but we've been going on for years and years as uh, and we we're, we're the we're the bona fide fascist group and then there's someone else going no we're the bona fide fascist group and he goes I'm the head of the British Union of Fascists. But what he did bring is a lot of press attention and um a lot of um uh, a lot of supporters with him. Yeah. Um so um uh 1933, uh, his wife died, and she'd poor, poor, uh, poor Cynthia had followed him from Tory to independent. She to was Labour. a Labour MP, wasn't she? Yeah, in Stoke. Um, in Stoke, and she, uh, yeah, just sort of like you say, followed him through his political Tory Labour fascist, really? um, despite him being very publicly yes, unfaithful I'm... to her. He was, a, he was having a long, uh, long-standing affair with Diana Mitford. Yes, uh, or Diana Guinness, who at the she... time was married, yeah, to the uh, Guinness to heir, the brewing fortune yeah um yeah they got married at a uh, lovely place at, uh, well well yeah so she died sorry yes she died in 33 she died in 1933 of peritonitis heartbroken yeah uh, and and you know he, and in 1936 i, I think believe right. he yes. married so we're skipping ahead a bit in 1936 he married diana mitford and like you say they had a, a lovely wedding in a friend's place in berlin and that oh, friend who was, was the friend uh, joseph goebbels oh lovely uh minister for propaganda for the nazi party hitler was there hitler was there guest of honor It'd be nice speeches wouldn't it oh wouldn't it just like to yeah, toast I... the bridesmaids and invade the sudan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the grosser deutschland uh must have lieben's round uh in eastern europe and um, don't forget um to have have more cake. If <laughs> <laughs> it must have been and nice. doesn't the mother of the bride look lovely? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lee. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, um, yeah. So yes, but um, it's interesting. Baldwin, uh, the uh, you know the prime minister in the thirties, uh, said said Mosley was a cad and a wrong one, and eventually they will find out. Yes. Well, we were going to find out. Yeah, yeah. The point but, there. But, but in the but in the meantime, the British Union fascist was getting support of the da- Daily Mail. Look at my surprised face, John. <laughs> if only um, the, the listeners could see the, the shock and appalled I th- I think, look. I think the main surprise was they also had support in the early days in the Daily Mirror. 
Uh, very briefly. Very early days, yeah, very yeah. briefly, and they very quickly turned around. But, yes. Um, yes, so there's famous... Lord Rothmere himself wrote... Yes, Rothmere, uh, famous Rothmere. front page... Front page, it says here. Uh, Hurrah for the Black Shirts. That's right. Which is... And I, I have to say, there's a wonderful book that I think both of us have read called yeah. Hurrah for the Black Shirts yes, by, by Martin Ma Pugh that's yes, really right. good. But it's not, it's not fun to read that on the tube, John. <laughs> You're the reading black a book that's called Hurrah for the Black People shirts. don't realise it's ironic, People, the title. You just want to say to everybody on the tube, it's, it's not pro. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> Let me make this um, clear. <laughs> yes. No, and then I read a, uh, I read another book by uh, Stephen Dorrell, just called Black Shirt, and that was good. But I also, I dipped into uh, Mosley's own memoir. That is above and beyond the call I got of that duty. out of the library and... Um, yeah, I read, I read the bit about uh, in 1940. I thought that'd be quite interesting. But I mean, you know, if you want further reading, you, yeah, mind Mine Camp is out of <laughs> copyright now. I tell you what, if you, if you ever want to laugh, go onto the Amazon website and read the reviews of Mind Camp. There's this sort of comedy thing got going with people going, I read this and I couldn't help feeling it was a little bit racist. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, I have to agree with the other reviewer that he seemed a bit right wing to me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the um, is one of the uh, reviews for Hurrah for the Black Shirts a bit sort of it, like. Well, this is a genuine review. Yeah. And um, it, it is a really good and quite in depth book about yeah. the sort of British interwar fascism and and Oswald Mosley and um, anti semitism and all yeah. of those things. Um, I'm not going to be able to. Oh, here we are. Uh, the review. <laughs> it just made me laugh because it's a serious review. It gave it four stars. It says, this is an excellent book as it looks at the fascists in an impartial manner, a considerable change from the standard demonising of Mosley and the whole movement. <laughs> it's like, yes. Can you imagine they demonise this fascist? <laughs> Honestly, they're so, so politically correct to oppose fascism. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were just talking about the uh, Daily Mail being a supporter of the British Union of Fascists. Uh, he was being secretly funded by Mussolini all this time and getting quite a lot of money uh, mm. uh, to pay for staff and organisation. And they had these uh, uniforms that were based on his fencing tunic uh, right. up to his neck and their uh, black uniform. And he had, like you say, he had those trained heavies to act like thugs at their uh, meetings. So at their meetings, they had 50,000 members at its height, the uh, British did, Union of Fascists. Yes. I mean, they claim that. Um, it's hard to know. Well, yeah. Um, but um, their rallies certainly attracted a crowd, and but they attracted larger crowds of anti-fascists, I think. And that's why the black shirts were yeah. sort of um, there to, to as bodyguards, really. Yes, or, or I mean... To protect the meeting. Yes, and they got pretty... Uh, I mean, they, the, the thing was, he had a difficult um, balancing act to maintain. He wanted to be sort of, you know, gain traction from the British middle classes and get parliamentary respectability. Uh, and the real rabid anti-Semites were like, no, no, we've got to just uh, have a campaign to get rid of all the Jews in England. Yeah. And people like William Joyce, um, who Lord was Haw -haw. The, the future Lord Haw Haw, was an insane anti-Semite. Yeah. Uh, and he was quickly disillusioned with Mosley as not being anti-Semitic enough. Yeah. So if we talk about the anti-Semitism in the BUF... I think it became just part of the uniform of fascism in the 30s in Europe. Yeah. I think he was probably about as anti-Semitic as any other upper-class British Tory. Yeah. But he ended up... It wasn't up, a main thread. I don't of, think it was what drove him on. I think yeah. his own ego was his main motivating yeah. thing. Well, yeah, um, desire for the sort of power that Mussolini had. Yeah, just and, the idea of um, um, having that sort of power. And, and an authoritarian uh, yeah. state. He, I mean, Hitler was deeply motivated by an insane sort of anti-Semitism. Mm. Uh, but I don't think Mosley was, although he became, later became, later anti became very anti-Semitic as a There's political tool. There's an interesting tool. interview with him on um, 
YouTube you can find that was in, I believe it was 1975. Wow, quite late then. And he was sort of being asked about uh, World War Two and that period and the pre-war period. Yeah. And he sort of really doubled down on the, his, his sort of framing of his anti-Semitism was that he believed that, or, or he said he believed that Jews wanted a war. And that he's so his whole rhetoric was to begin peace, with yes. w w was on a peace ticket. Yes, like they've come yes. through World War One, yes, and people didn't want another war. Sure, um, and and he was sort of gained support for that because his whole he was pro appeasement. Yes, um, you know, and was uh, and and even and, after the war had started, he continued to be yeah, uh, absolutely. Fact, and it was only really after peace. the Blitz, after sort of nineteen forty, yeah, after the fall of France, after I the think. fall of France, and then the Blitz, that yeah. people went, hang on a minute, yeah, this, yeah. We're, we're this in isn't working. We're, we're in a war. We're yeah. in a war. And that's when his um, yeah. support really fell away. Yeah. I mean, um, he, as I say, but, you know, that 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 the Union fascists had the support of the uh, male, but then he had a rally in Olympia in 1934, and you were talking about the, the Biff boys. And yes. communist hecklers were, like, beaten senseless by um, lo lots of black shirts, well, who called themselves a fascist defence force. These were, like, 300 men, specially recruited. They all lived together in Chelsea, Sound a bit like Chelsea fans now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, they had these uh, uh, reinforced vehicles. Chelsea fans don't live in Chelsea. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they, they, they don't. They live further out. Um, and they um, they had uh, thirty reinforced vehicles with sort of grills across the, and they paid for all this money. You they know, were they, private militia. They were a private militia organised, yeah. you know. But the, the 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 people went along and saw the violence, and it was mm. very ugly scenes. And yeah. it, that's what caused the male to stop supporting them, and it yeah. caused some Tories to stop uh, supporting them. Um, and of course, at exactly at that moment, uh, you had the Night of the Long Knives in Nazi Germany when half the brown shirts were murdered and yeah. suddenly uh, people started to wake up what fascism uh, might actually mean. And so he became a little bit um, uh, off mainstream. He lost a lot of mainstream support in there, losing Wathermere. And, and then he sort of adopted anti-Semitism as a tactic to sort of show up his right wing, I think. Yeah. Becoming more anti-Semitic, they decided to march uh, through the Jewish East End. In 1936, they were thought they would march in their so uniforms. So lots of Jewish refugees and Jewish families yeah. in the East End of London. So very provocative to have mm. uh, fascist anti-Semites move uh, yeah. uh, through their area. But yeah. famously, um, all the lefties got uh, 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 themselves in, you know, got themselves organised, massive yeah. uh, opposition to the Cable Street, in Cable Street, and the whole... Um, BUF demonstration march had to be called off. It was abandoned because there were just too many people opposing them. Um, so and this was in 1936. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and incredible, really. And the same thing had happened in 1934 in a massive uh, rally in Hyde Park. There'd been uh, 5,000 black shirts marching in Hyde Park, and they reckon between 100 and 150,000 anti-fascists marched. That's incredible. That makes you proud, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it just? <laughs> there were seven, there were not seven, having it. It's not seven, the we're not way. having it. So enough British people went, were opposed to this fascism, and they turned out in massive numbers. And there were 7,500 police protecting 5,000 fascists. Mm. And if you look online uh, on the Pathé uh, website, you could, they've got uh, footage there of this, this march, and the commentator is so funny. It's just like... And the police do a marvellous job stopping all violence. And the, you know you can always count on the boys in blue to make sure that the ordinary man in the street can have his day of protest and it all passes off peacefully. Well done, boys in blue. Well, and it's let's like let's big... not mention the 175 women and children that were injured. Let's yeah, not exactly. mention them. I know, and it's all like, uh, Britain's very moderate and we're the police are marvellous and it's all very nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Um, 
1936, things are hotting up in Europe. You've got the Spanish Civil War breaking out. Um, And um, people are saying that, um, you know, Britain should be um, uh, stopping the overthrow of a um, democratically elected government in Spain uh, by Franco. People like George Orwell and others are going off to fight fight on the uh, Republican side. And... um, most of it's very much of the view. Let's uh, uh, let's keep Britain out of it. Mind Britain's business. Was, Mind, that, was, and that was the slogan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Mind Britain's business. Yeah, uh, and um, they were banned from marching in their uniforms. Was it? This was the start of the Public Order yeah. Act or something, wasn't it? it? Came about because I think so. Didn't it ban sort of marching in uniform? I think pseudo military uniforms. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you weren't allowed to parade them, so they they, they walked. Holding them up on coat hangers. That's right. <laughs> Just off to the dry cleaners. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I remember talking to my dad about this because uh, my dad was born in 1919. He's not with us anymore. But um, I asked him about. I remember asking him about Mosley and the black shows. And he said we just thought they were ridiculous. We thought they yeah. were laughable. And um, there's something about sort of the. Uh, 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 the importance of comedy in Britain, I think, that just makes people want to take the piss out of people like that. Yeah. So, the, the, so while you had sort of 5,000 people marching in Hyde Park, you had 100,000 going, boo, and you're ridiculous. And the rest uh, of the country just laughing, laughing at, at them. You know, because he was posturing yeah. and, you know, he, he sort of impersonated that Hitler style of speech and the emphatic hand movements. But yeah. everyone's going, line up a bit, mate. Yes. <laughs> come on, come, come and have down. a cup of tea. <laughs> I'm going to vote for Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my, I remember that was my dad's uh, memory of it. But, um, you know, as, uh, as as Hitler grew in power, uh, Jewish refugees uh, um, started to come. And the mail was whipping up stories of uh, Jewish people coming over here and whipping up the agitation. The mail? Are you sure I, that was the mail Again, again, that. the Daily Mail playing a big part. It was a big paper back then, as now, of course. Yeah. Um, but, um, and uh, war was getting closer and, you know, people were worried about, uh, another European war, and that helped the BUF. That yeah. helped. Well, that... they, like I said, uh, and he was still doubling down on this in the seventies. In that yeah. interview, he he sort of claimed that the Jews were the ones pushing for a war with Germany. Yes, in fact, you know, and so that helped his anti-Semitic rhetoric by saying we want peace, and so therefore, yes, yes, you know, and he really doubled down on that still in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, I know his book. His book is not full of like, oh, what was I thinking? Fascism no. is a really bad idea. <laughs> I didn't actually read all of his book, I must say. So I would have been interested to see what he said about Hitler and, you know, uh, the Holocaust, whether he sort of saw any connection between what happened and the the policies and the arguments he was putting forth. So by by, July 1939, um, you know, people were really scared about war. So when he had a rally at Earl's Court, it's not the same ring as Nuremberg, does it, Earl's Court? Earl's Court Exhibition (laughs) Centre. Um... um, yeah, it was. Uh, 30, they, they claimed thirty thousand people there, and it, you know, massive entrance, uh, uniforms, black boots, armbands. They had a, their, their slogan wasn't a swastika. It was it was a sort of uh, red, it was a sort of lightning bolt, bolt, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked yeah. a bit like a swastika. exactly the same colours yeah. as, um, as, a, as a swastika armband. But yeah, and it, uh, it had that sort of sort of fascist look to it. <clears throat> but it, yeah, like you say, it was a lightning thing, and then. Um, uh, Huge, huge rally, and uh, people were thinking, well, you know, maybe this is the answer. Maybe if, if we were fascists like the Germans, people mm. were desperate to avoid war, so you yeah. know, that got some traction. Uh, but then war breaks out. Yes, 1939, war breaks out. Okay, France fell, and that's when the mood of the country. Yeah, I think so. So for, for, during the phony war, he was like advocating a negotiated peace. Yeah. And then uh, once France fell, and that was an absolute calamity when the you know, entire 
uh, British Army had to be uh, rescued from uh, uh, Dunkirk, yeah. uh, suddenly the mood changed. It's like we are in a fight for national survival, the fight of our lives, and we're not mucking about that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Defence Regulation 18B. Yes, yeah, so this is 1940. Yes. Under Defence Regulation 18B, uh, he was interred along with... With, with Diane Mitford. With, uh, and, and many, many leading fascists. Yeah. Um, so MI5 had been listening to them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was well known to senior politicians personally, but Churchill was not having any truck with this fascist being on the loose. He'd seen what happened in Norway with the fascist leader there, Quisling, yeah. uh, who was a bit of a Quisling. There's no, uh, there's no <laughs> other way of describing him. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he became the sort of, you know, puppet. Um, leader in Norway, and that's what you know Churchill thought Mosey would be. Yeah, uh, certainly, probably what he, he probably would have been. Was um, aiming for. Yeah. yeah, so he was locked up, um, and there's a mass roundup of fascists, uh, mm. and it was a touch and go thing whether he was because he was never charged with anything, uh, yeah. he, and but there were plenty of arguing that it was very um, uh, uh, un-British thing to do to lock someone up, you know, with no trial. Um, mm. He was taken, picked up at his flat in Dolphin Square by office uh, by detectives that he recognised. They'd been at his rally rallies. Taken down to Brixton Prison, yeah. just down the road from here. And um, he says in his memoir, uh, this is one of the bits I did read, because I thought that was interesting about him being picked yeah. up. He said, uh, some some par- person in authority probably thought it was a oh, hilarious jape, but they put me in a prison next to a Negro fellow. That's what he said. What and he said, he said uh, but I found him quite charming and interesting. So there. Good, no. good for you, yeah. Oswald. For See, being, so I am actually not a racist. <laughs> I'm not a racist because I liked the Negro yeah. <laughs> in the cell next door. Um, but, uh, I mean, public uh, support evaporated for the fascists at the moment, you know, and the act of interning him and publicly, the government saying he is an enemy, yeah. sort of destroyed them. Yeah. Um, and it was a smart move uh, by the government, really, I think. Um, and he wasn't let out till... Um, 1943. Three. And that was a big, big, um, uh, still a big fight in the House of mm. Commons about that. Herbert Morrison, the Labour Home Secretary, um, said he should be let out now when he was no longer a threat and the yeah. Nazi invasion was no longer a threat. Mosley held that uh, for Labour to join the wartime coalition, it was uh, their condition that he be arrested. He, he blamed right. Labour. For that really? in, in his book that I was reading, yeah. You must borrow it, Angela. It's great. Yeah. Get an audio. Yeah. It's really rhetorically and emphatic. <laughs> he reads it at the well, microphone. We will be the British master race. Down a little bit. You're <laughs> shouting again, Oswald. <laughs> um, the war ended in uh, 1945 and mm-hmm. people saw the Holocaust and they saw where fascism uh, led. And it sort of destroyed fascism as a brand, really, yeah. I hope. Uh, and made, well. demo- made democracy fashionable again. You know, yeah. made people think, oh, actually, democracy, perhaps, you know, having checks and balances on government is perhaps a good thing. And yeah. authoritarian and being leaders. able to uh, change government. That's yes. Not, yeah. They're uh, performing as you want them to or. Yeah. Uh, so after his release and after the war. Yeah. He, he did try to return to politics. Yeah. He? He, had a, he had a union movement for the United Europe Nation. This It's so ironic, isn't it, really, that he was. I mean, okay, he was for a united fascist Europe, yeah, which yeah. I don't think you could call the EU a united fascist Europe. Some people might. Some people might. Um, but yes, yeah, so he was uh, so different to Nigel Farage in that so sense. So different to Nigel Farage in that sense. <laughs> uh, but of course, wherever he went, his meetings were disrupted. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, he, he he left Britain. I think he went to Ireland and Paris. Um, he did uh, After the Notting Hill riots, he saw an opportunity. When mm-hmm. Notting Hill was not the home of George Osborne and Boris Johnson, it was an yes. uh, uh, immigrant community uh, yeah. back in the 50s. Um, 
and there were there were race riots there, yeah. uh, riots of white people against the, the immigrants. And he thought, oh, that's my opportunity. He stood in the by-election in Kensington, on, an, on North Kensington, on an anti-immigration platform, but failed miserably. Ha <laughs> ha. What a shame. Um, yeah, and he wrote his memoirs and, and, and uh, died in 1980 yeah. in Paris. Um, and the obituaries were very, very... Uh, a bit too kind to him too, and a bit too... Um, well, he was a friend of the establishment, wasn't well, he? Yeah, I mean, he was and... an establishment figure, but not that I got news, did this brilliant sketch where they had Nazis just singing the um, the quotes, direct oh, quotes really? from the obituaries, yeah. Um, oh, is that on YouTube? I have to it might it. be on there, I don't know, I don't yeah. know, but yeah, I think I remember it at the time. But uh, yeah, uh, he, le- he left behind a few kids and we know about uh, Nicholas Mosley, who won the Whitbread Prize. Yeah, uh, for writing about his dad. And then Max Mosley, the F1 millionaire. Uh, Kinky, kinky sex parties, sex parties with the women not, dressers. Not Nazi sex parties. Not Nazi sex because parties. Because that's what the, one of the papers said. I and is that what, did Mirror. he win that? He won that case, because he said, because it was Mosley. They said Nazi sex parties. Right, yeah. And he said, oh, yes, I did have a sex party, but it wasn't a Nazi sex party. <laughs> so he was able to win that. But so um, he's an, I mean, he's a fascinating character. Uh, mm. a, a, to us, a complete villain. Uh, yeah, and um, to uh, our, you know, my dad's generation, a complete villain as well. Yeah, but a ridiculous figure to my parents and their friends. Yeah, um, but it does it does beg the question why it never came about in Britain. Why fascism never got any traction? Uh, I mean, there were, um, I suppose, if uh, uh, what was the name of the operation for Operation Sea Lion? Lion? If the Nazis had landed, yeah. then would Mosley have been Hitler's appointed yeah. sort of leader? Would, you know, these things could have would, happened. Would Edward VIII have been brought back from uh, from the Caribbean and installed as king? Yeah. He was much more sympathetic. I well, mean, there was, were fifth columnists, right? Yeah, there were yeah. uh, Nazis in Britain ready, waiting for that to happen. They to... sympathetic. I don't think there had any effective Nazi spies operating in Britain, but there mm. were definitely people who would have been sympathetic. I mean, there was an interesting moment in that question of could fascism ever have... Uh, happened here the abdication crisis 1936 mm. was such a shock to the British sort of uh, establishment and the British people but it happened so quickly yeah. that it didn't really have a, a, a chance uh, for any sort of political movement to get going but if the king hadn't abdicated a week after the story broke the, you could have had a situation where um, Mosley might have gone, I think here we need a new government, a strong government supporting the king. Yeah. And the king could have called Mosley. Uh, uh, Edward VIII was... Edward VIII, a, also a friend of friend certain of, uh, German for, Yeah, people. very, very uh, <laughs> a fasc- a fascist sympathising king. Yeah. If he'd called Mosley to form a new government, it would have, you know, constitutionally, that would have been within his rights yeah. um, if, if he could have got the public behind that. But it happened so quickly that, uh, that you know, uh, life carried on under Baldwin and then Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think... I mean, one of the reasons I felt reading all this stuff was that... Uh, if Britain, Britain just didn't suffer as much as Germany from the depression. The, the, yeah. the, the unemployment wasn't as massive. The middle classes weren't hit as hard. And that meant that democracy sort of limped on yeah. through the 30s. Um, but the other thing I will say is all credit to those uh, labor activists, those communists, and those just ordinary who marched uh, against the fascists mm. and overwhelmed their meetings and overwhelmed their demonstrations with uh, anti-fascist sport. Absolutely. Just as we did for the Anti-Nazi League in the 70s and 80s, and just as people did 
when um, the BNP tried to start stand against uh, Margaret Hodge embarking. Yeah. There's a huge turnout. And we have to, I would say, then always be vigilant and always keep uh, being active against fascism because that's the only way they can be stopped. Uh, or the only other reason I thought we might have not had uh, fascism in this country is because we're better than all the other countries and we're in fact the master race oh well that, 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 that's maybe, it John maybe, I think you've landed upon something maybe, maybe that's what it is um, <laughs> uh, but I think we've um, we've covered the, um, the the baddie from Peaky Blinders I the, think we have one of the great like, British baddies reading you can do on, yeah. on uh, British fascism and um, <laughs> yeah um, yeah, yeah. Hur- hurrah and for the Battle of Cable Street as well there's a particular lots yeah, of stuff you can read about that and there's there's um, a plaque up there right now yes uh, there is and there's uh, Arnold Wesker play Chicken Soup with Barley is all about yep Cable Street and, um, and yeah uh, there's as lots of the, and as we say there's a, the whole the series of Peaky Blinders World on Fire and um, um, and uh, let's hope that um, the, you know, uh, the in ugly... EastEnders yes. sorry I've just Go ahead. in EastEnders Dr. Leg do you remember Dr. Yep. Leg from EastEnders yep he, um, the fictional character, Dr. Legg, uh, met his wife. There was a scene where he t- tells Doc Cotton that he met his wife at the Battle of Cable Street. Oh, okay. I mean, the Battle of Cable Street has been sort of uh, um, uh, lionised and been made into this battle. It was really a failed demonstration by some fascists and a, bit, a lot of uh, lefties milling about and a bit of violence kicking off, but they had to abandon their demonstration. But the Battle of yeah. Cable Street, you know, it sounds great and all credit but to those people nice who stopped to, it. But it's nice to, it was one of those British people going, no, we're not having it. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Before that was people, John O'Farrell who said that. Just before you think I'm serious. That's <laughs> it from this episode of We Are History. Um, do uh, give us lots of five stars or five yeah, if you could on, on you iTunes do. give us five star reviews yeah. that would be lovely because that helps us, us uh, get uh, in the listings yeah and um, tell your friends yes please do follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod and, uh, and we'll see you next time see you next time bye bye lovely